This is Susan Miller bringing you hope for the uprooted woman. And you know how much I love the pleasure of your company. And I'm delighted that you joined us today. My special guest is Dr. Doug Kelly, and he is professor of communication studies at Arizona State University. It is a thrill, an honor, a privilege, and downright fun to have him as my guest today because he's going to talk about the stress on marriage during difficult times and don't we all need a little help in that area in any relationship and so i think the thing i would want you to remember about doug other than his credentials that go on and on and on is the fact that he is ann kelly's husband and as you know ann is our director of communications and our website manager for Just Move Ministry. And so I'm sure that that had a little influence on Doug having the, um, taking the time to, to be with us today. So Doug's written books on communication and just, you know, he is so knowledgeable about not just communicating in marriage, but how we are communicating daily with one another. So welcome, Doug. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Susan. It's great to be here and always great to be talking about communication between people. I'm looking forward and want to jump right in to mm. your uh, tips and just what you have to say during a time such as this when um, we are a nation under stress and our marriages, our relationships manifest the stress that's going on. And I know that what you're going to share with us will be helpful. Our whole point of our podcast is to bring hope and encouragement to uprooted women, no matter how they've been uprooted. And so let's jump right in and start off by sharing the two types of stressors in a relationship. Great, yeah. You know, some of the stressors we have are predictable. Um, oftentimes they're developmental in our families, like your daughter turns 16 and starts to drive, and you know that that's gonna come with a certain amount of stress. Uh, it, some of the stressors are positive, like a promotion that you've been waiting for and you finally get that promotion. It's something that you want, but it adds stress to the relationship, but it's expected, we can plan for it. It doesn't make it easy, um, but we have some tools going in and um, it doesn't catch us off guard, doesn't create a lot of uncertainty in some ways. But then there's a second type of stress that is unpredictable. And this is the kind of stress that we're in right now, the COVID-19, uh, quarantine, no one back in January, had any thought that this could affect our country in the way that it has. Um, so when these kinds of stresses come, uh, they put a different kind of stress on the relationship because we're untested, right? When we haven't had a chance to think through the process, how we might respond, what we might do. Um, most of us, like the um, the federal government has disaster plans in place in case disasters happen, but in our relationships, we don't usually do that. 
and sit down and spend some time saying, hey, what if this happened? You know, <laughs> what if that happened? Most of us don't want to think about that. And, uh, and then we deal with it in the midst of it, and we find out how strong and resilient we are in our relationships. Well, and Doug, I know um, firsthand that you and Anne have gone through a tremendous amount of stress this last year when you were diagnosed last summer with acute myeloid leukemia, and you have had a stem cell transplant, and we have prayed for you um, in our office faithfully, and uh, I know that you are um, just so grateful right now that you're cancer-free, and you're, you know, you look great. I wish our podcast audience could see you, but um, that has really added a huge amount of stress to your marriage. Absolutely. Yeah, it was out of the blue. We were on a vacation driving up the West Coast, um, had stopped in Paso Robles uh, to see a cousin, uh, and then on up the Oregon coast to stay in a friend's condo, and then we're supposed to head up into Washington State and Idaho and Colorado, and um, it was going to be a fabulous time, and and uh, I fell ill during that time. We had no expectation of this. There's really no family history of it. Um, and uh, it caught us completely off guard. And I remember still when we got the diagnosis, um, wanting to tell the doctor, I don't think so, right? <laughs> I, think, I think you need to recheck your numbers because I'm not the kind of person that gets cancer, right? We had, you know, earlier in our marriage, our youngest son dropped out of high school while I was teaching family communication at Arizona State University. And, uh, and I thought, okay, this can't be happening to me. I, I'm not the, the kind of person where this happens, you know. And I think that's often our response in those situations. We've never pictured ourselves in those places. And, um, and so it leaves us unsettled and grappling for ways to survive in the midst of that. And that is so true. It's the unexpected, like the COVID, like, you know, being diagnosed with cancer. And I know when Bill was diagnosed with cancer and, and I thought this can't be because he's healthy and, you yeah. know, he's had all the checkups and done all the right things. And so those are the things that add that stress that, like you say, there's no book or pamphlet written on that. Well, that's right. That was exactly our feeling too. Like other than the cancer, I was in great health. I mean, <laughs> it's like, um, but boy, what's a major, major shift. Well, and I love your, I love the fact that you, you, you're going to give four key principles. What's the first principle, Doug? The first one is simply to know yourself and know your spouse. Um, I think um, one of the things that happens when we come into times of stress is that we may not have been taking time to really um, pay attention to what keeps us healthy, um, both our spouse and our individual selves. Um, and sometimes we're just unaware of that. Like if you ask somebody, like, what brings life to you? They, sometimes they don't know. They've been so busy taking care of the kids or going to work or doing the next thing. There's always the next thing. I don't know what it is that brings life. 
uh, a friend of mine who was in marriage counseling with his wife, his counselor asked him one day, what do you want? And he, he told me privately later, he said, when he asked that question, I, I didn't know. He said, I've, I'd never given myself permission to even ask, what, what do I want, right? What, what do I desire? What do I like? So, um, so we need to become aware of those things. And of course, as a communication professor, I'm gonna point you to communication as a way to do that. And, um, and so sometimes I need to ask Anne, what is life giving for you at this point, right? What, what would make you feel alive or feel refreshed? Or how can I help? Or how can I get out of the way? Um, so that you can find your way um, to being healthy in the way you need to. And there are times when I ask her how um, I could do that. You know, sometimes I feel lost, like I don't know what to do. And I need to come to her and say, like, you know me, and I feel like I'm unraveling with staying at home or, you know, whatever it is in the quarantine now. And what, what do you see, like, what am I missing? You know, and she might say, you're such a social person. And so much of that's been cut out. Like you need to find a way to connect with people and like, ah, right. So we, we do this together. We don't, we're not just individual ships out there kind of doing our own thing, hoping that we happen to catch the same current. We're collaborating and working together and talking to each other about these things to discover one another and discover ourselves. Well, and, and to share with each other what you need and what's hard, especially during a time like this, you know, it's the hard things that sometimes really stumble, uh, allow us to stumble and cause us to stumble. And I think it's realizing too that you're in this boat together and that it's, Bill would always say, we're an us. It's not me. It's not you. It's us. We're in this situation together. So I can appreciate the communication aspect of being a key principle. And what about needing space, Doug? Needing space. Yeah. So one of my favorite concepts is to create a space where if something good can happen, it will. And that space can be relational space. Um, it can be space that's defined by how we interact with each other through routine and ritual. It can be physical space, right, that, that we all need. Um, so we're looking for ways to create space where good things can happen now. Some of that means maintaining some of the spaces we've had. So, um, for example, Ann and I are kind of ease into the morning people. We don't have young children anymore or no one else lives with us, just a small dog at this point in our lives. So we can get away with having a little slower morning and tea and coffee in the morning and reading and doing our devotional time and that kind of thing is critical for us to kind of start the day well. So it's important for us to maintain that particular routine or that ritual that we have in our, in our family. Uh, Anne has a, a particular bran muffin recipe that we love. And, um, and it, it, 
if we go for two or three days where we've run out of them, it just throws us off. It's just not the same to have toast or whatever it is. So, so we have to get that back. That's just part of normalizing for us. But then part of that means adapting those things too. There, there are certain kinds of routine, um, like it might be in a particular household that part of the routine was really one spouse being gone to work and the other one being at home, either working or taking care of the kids or both. And, um, and there was a routine to that and a comfort in it. And there were some private spaces during that time. And each person got their own space. And now that's been eliminated because both individuals are at home. So how do we find that kind of, of space, right? And how do we adapt now? Our children who are in Dallas, our oldest son and his wife, he's a lawyer. And when this first, oh, the quarantine first happened, he, we had a long conversation on the phone. He was pretty frustrated because he works a lot of hours and with three young children that was not going to work at home, he thought. But they, he came home. They took a section in a barn that they have and turned it into an office space and now he never wants to go back, right? You know, I mean, he's, he's doing all his lawyer work from Zoom and home and, and getting breaks and being with the kids. And they found a new routine that works for them. That routine has created space for them, right? That's been a beautiful, healthy space. And then part of that routine was creating a physical space. When, when dad's in his office, he doesn't get interrupted, right? So the kids know, right? They know if dad comes out the office door, he's fair game, right? At that point. <laughs> so, so if he's going to have coffee, he better have his coffee maker in the office. Uh, otherwise, he's going to get snagged if he walks into the house. Well, and whatever that might look like, even if a couple lives in an apartment, wh wherever, and their space is cramped, there has got to be a corner of the world. For each person is what you're saying and to respect that and honor that. And that's so true. And sometimes we just, you know, we, we merge, we mesh into one and we forget that. So that's a great reminder. Um, and I love your identity anchors. Share about that. Mm, yeah. Identity anchors. We all, we all have these anchors. You might think of it like, um, like we have a swimming dock at a little cabin in Northern New York that's been in my wife's family since 1891. And um, uh, the cabin has the dock not as long, but that dock floats out on the water, but it has four anchors that go down and keep it rooted in the bottom of the lake. And then it allows for a certain amount of movement, um, but it keeps it pretty much where it's supposed to be. And um, it's that kind of thing that we use with our identities as well, that, that you know, we have this thing that we think is us, and, um, and then there are a few anchors that we toss over, like, you know, I'm a productive employee, um, I'm a good mom, I'm um, a, a community uh, involved person, right? I get, I'm, I do just community engagement. I love that stuff, right? And you have a few things that engage and those go down and root you in the lake. And again, the waves move you around a little bit, but it keeps you pretty well anchored in that spot. 
So one of the ways for us to stay resilient during these times is to embrace those identity anchors um, where you've been very involved in the community and your kid's school and then all of a sudden the kid's school went online and it was more difficult to find a way to help and now we're in summer uh, and, uh, and they're not meeting. Um, and so what do I do with that part? And so I may have to look for online ways to be engaged or look for ways that I can help out at the school when they're doing some project that's socially distanced or however they're kind of negotiating that space or at your church, you know, where you're involved in a particular um, type of ministry and you're helping it transition during this particular time. So there are ways to still engage those particular anchors and not lose that sense of self because that's what happens oftentimes with the uncertainty. It comes in, I, I can't work like I did before or the routine I had with my kids that was working has now been disrupted and I don't understand myself as a parent quite in the same way that I did before or I have new struggles with the kids that I didn't have before and it's, it's disrupting those. So we, we don't want to stay rigid in them, right? We need to keep growing, but we do need something to hold on to and some things that we remind ourselves, like we're still okay. This is still who I am. And I love where um, you always go back to the core of communicating, you know, how are we doing? Uh, how, how are you doing? And how do you think I'm doing? And there takes a certain amount of safety in a relationship, I would imagine, and I know from my own experience, that, um, that allows you the freedom to be vulnerable. Mm, that's right, yeah. And I, I love the word safety in relationships. That's become incredibly important to me over time. And as you know, Ann and I have been in counseling um, together and I always thought I'd teach this stuff, so I assumed that I did it pretty well, too. <laughs> Evidently not, you know, on certain regard. <laughs> but we, um, um, one of the key elements that um, I learned through our counseling process, not just intellectually learned, but I mean learned in my heart also, is that we really have to feel safe with one another. And um, that's been a, a, a critical element. And so helping people find their spaces, helping one another um, to find a space. Um, um, we'll talk about grace in a few minutes, giving each other a little grace without judgment. Um, all of those are very powerful kinds of ideas as we are living in closer proximity with one another than we probably ever have. I love, I love the direction you're taking us because you're giving practical application to avoiding or at least diminishing as much stress as possible. So we've identified the two types of stressors and knowing your spouse as a key principle and then as our second key principle to create spaces. Now, I, I can't wait. Tell me what the principle for the third point is. Uh, we, we have to maintain external relationships, right? Like we need social support from someone besides our spouse. And one of my favorite little stories about our early marriage was we were in a young couples class and one of the assistant pastors had come in to teach it that day. And somewhere along the way, 
he mentioned, it, it wasn't the point of the lesson, but it was what really struck me. <laughs> he mentioned that your spouse is not going to meet all your needs. And, and honestly, that was a shock to me at age 25. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's why I had gotten married, you know, and, uh, and so, so poor Anne, right? A lot of expectations on my side. Um, and so um, we need to understand that there, there need to be other outlets, that we can't expect our spouse to do everything. Um, that our spouse is coping, right? Our husband or wife is coping in their own ways with the stress that's going on right now. Um, and so I need to allow space for that as well. So that means having a close friend. Uh, I have a good friend coming over tomorrow and, you know, here we are in Phoenix. It's going to be over 100 degrees. And, um, but I have an outdoor evaporative cooler and misting system under the patio. <laughs> We're going to sit far apart from each other. We've been Zooming together. But we just need to see each other better than that. And, um, and we can talk to each other about almost anything. Uh, so critically important um, for us to find outlets. Um, I think one other thing that just comes to mind with me real quickly is that um, to find, we were talking about safety before, but to find safe places where, um, where you can talk about your frustrations and things. Um, sometimes that's hard with your spouse, either because they're overwhelmed with their own frustrations or maybe they'll feel, they feel threatened. Um, and so when we can find a safe friend, um, like I have two friends that um, I can talk to. I could say like, wow, things have been tough with Ann this last week. I think she's struggling with quarantine and I'm struggling with whatever. And we just haven't been able to talk about it very well. Um, I can share those things. She knows both of those people and she's comfortable with me sharing at that kind of basic level with them. Um, my encouragement always, if, if you're one of those persons who feels like, I, I don't know if my you know, husband or wife would feel comfortable with that, um, then ask them, you know, just say, I just, you know, when we're talking and chatting, sometimes marriage stuff comes up. I don't give too much detail, but you know, sometimes it's just good to be able to say like, God, it's been a rough week. Um, and, uh, um, and then that allows you to get a lot of the um, sort of the energy of the frustration that you've been experiencing out right? That, that it gets pent up over time. And if we don't release it, it eventually comes out in a conversation or a conflict. And then we end up kind of walloping each other, you know, and, and uh, verbally, uh, hopefully just that, but you know, um, that it comes out unexpected, but we've just kept stuffing things away and we haven't had any place for it to go. So to have safe places for that to go are um, absolutely fabulous as well as the fact that that just draws you closer to your friendship network as well. And I, I really like the fact that you brought into the, um, into the conversation that, you know, if, if you feel like your husband or your wife would be uncomfortable, you know, just to say, Hey, do you mind if I just share that, you know, I'm struggling or that, you know, there's just some things I need to work through and to pray for me or something to that effect. Cause we're not talking about 
putting down bad mouth, negative kind of conversation. That's not healthy, right? Right, absolutely. And so we need those spaces where we can come. And sometimes it's not even really for problem solving. Maybe, maybe you already know kind of what you want to do. You just need to get some of the frustration out, right? You just need a way to do that. For some of us, we can do that like by working out. And so maybe we've had to construct a home gym or figure out some place where we can run. Um, for me and, and, and actually it's the mountain preserve, going for a hike in that, that does pretty, pretty well for us. Um, but there are those times when it's helpful um, to, um, to have some place to vent a little bit, you know, and not be quite as careful. And then you can feel yourself physically begin to relax once you've let some of that out of there, once you've had permission to just let it go. You can do other things too. Like you can write a letter that you destroy. I, I would um, like not do an email that you're not going to send because I know of situations <laughs> where that's gone wrong. <laughs> Somebody's out, accidentally hit send uh, instead of... Uh, uh, of trash, but um, so be careful um, with that. But sometimes, you know, a good journal, if you and your partner are just very respectful of each other and your journals and your writing, and just to get it out and flush it out in some way. Prayer can be that. God can hear absolutely anything from you. He's not disappointed when marriages are struggling. Like he gets it. That relationships are hard. Like if if you didn't notice, you know, <laughs> by this time in your life, they're, they're hard. They're totally worth it, you know, but but they're a lot of work in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, so take advantage, treat them well, and be smart that way. I um yes. The first thing I think I would say to someone is, you know, this is this is a, you have to work at a marriage. You have to work at it. It is hard. Bill and I had very, very hard years. And just, you know, we just were determined to persevere, work through it, work it out. And, you know, I always say, hey, it's, it's worth it for the long run. And um, I'm so glad that we did. The fourth principle. I really like that. I think it's really good to remember the point that you're going to make on the fourth key principle, Doug. Yeah, um, I alluded to this a little earlier, but it's to give each other a little grace. Uh, I've been studying forgiveness for over 20 years at Arizona State and then doing workshops in churches and other place about, uh, places about the nature of forgiveness. And grace is broader than the forgiveness concept. We can give grace in all kinds of ways. Um, and, uh, but forgiveness is one of those. And I, um, I, I want to um, be clear about a couple of different things. One is that when we give grace, um, it comes out of um, a caring, compassionate place. Right? Like we're, we're all doing the best we can. Right? We're, we're struggling with some things, but we're doing the best we can um, to cope and to get by. And over the years, most of us have just picked up some patterns that weren't that healthy. Maybe even patterns that we've liked sometimes, but as adults, they're just not productive or helpful in our relationships anymore. 
And it takes time, right? It takes sometimes a lifetime to change certain kinds of patterns. Um, but if I know that you're working on this, right, um, or if we're working on it together, uh, that goes a long way in terms of, of uh, my being able to stay happy in the relationship. So I, I have to recognize right, we're both human beings. We're both flawed. We're both going to make mistakes. Um, and, um, and so you're like, okay, I get that. Now, that said, that doesn't excuse bad behavior, right, or hurtful behavior. Those are things that we need to work through and talk about still, right? But there's a, there's a difference between kind of, um, I think sometimes in the Christian community, like we're really big on holding people accountable to things. And we do need to hold people accountable for good and right behavior. Um, but Jesus came, right, in grace and truth, it says, right? So grace first, and then the truth of here's what we need to work on, how we need to work on it, here's what I need, or here's what I see, or I see you it's really struggling, I need to know how to help and be part of that, right? So we come to one another with this kind of beautiful space of mercy and grace. And I know that you and Anne are strong believers, and it has been your trust and faith in God that has really been that anchor of hope for you. And the same for so many of us when things look so bleak in our marriage or, you know, one of us have lost a job or, you know, you're going to lose your home and this, you know, all because of the economy and the COVID effects. And so just to know that you're in that together and that you're going to struggle and you're going to fall, but you just get back up and you just keep on going and push through it. I love the principles that you give us, and I would love for you to come back and maybe do an extension of this or talk about the family relations. And, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to want to hear more of you, Doug. And how do you want to end up today? Is there any last word or um, counsel that you might share? Uh, yeah, I think... Um... A favorite word for me uh, over the last year or so has been curiosity. And uh, I want to encourage people to take a curious perspective uh, during this time. So when, you're, when your spouse is maybe acting in a way that's surprising or um, in a way that um, isn't to your liking or, or whatever that might be, to rather than first to stick your heels in the ground and fight for your position, to take a curious position that says, I wonder what's going on. I wonder how they're doing. Right? I wonder what they're struggling with. I wonder where that's coming from. And notice that those questions aren't why questions, like, like why would you do that? Why would you think that? Right? Why questions often make us defensive. Instead, they're what explain, help me understand kinds of questions. And that curious attitude then um, also helps us in the other things we've been talking about. It helps us know one another. It helps us create new spaces. I wonder what would happen if, 
what would happen if, right? And so, so you try something for a little while. Maybe this would, will make a difference in how we're, our days are going, uh, how we're coping during the middle of it, how I'm able to work. I always thought I needed this to get my work done. Um, but what if we spent three days trying something else? Uh, so coming uh, to our relationships, um, to our, um, our rituals and, and um, routines that we've had for so long um, with a freshness and a sense of curiosity really opens us up uh, to understanding and then journeying together. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Doug Kelly. And I know that Anne will have your bio and contact information um, along with this podcast because you never know. Someone might want to contact you about further, um, further knowledge that you might have. But thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for... Um, for joining my wonderful audience. All of you know out there that you matter to me and that knowing you've listened to me and Doug today has just made my day. So thank you, Doug, for hanging out with me. Thank you, listeners, for hanging out with us for a while. And I would just like to close with what I love to close with, always move closer to Jesus, because it just can't get much better than that. And I'll see you next time. Hope for the Uprooted with Susan Miller is a production of Just Move Ministry. Just Move Ministry is a nonprofit, non-denominational ministry dedicated to the emotional well-being, spiritual growth, and ongoing resilience of women uprooted by a move or other major life change. Susan Miller is the founder of Just Move Ministry and the author of After the Boxes Are Unpacked. Around the world, women uprooted by a move are gathering in After the Boxes Are Unpacked study groups. Together, they form friendships and find belonging in a new community while seeking to understand how God is using their move to grow and deepen them. Learn more at justmoved.org where you can sign up for weekly words of encouragement, subscribe to Bloom, an inspirational publication, and read new articles every month that inform and inspire. Join the Just Moved community and the Just Moved community Facebook group, a place to connect with and be encouraged by other women anticipating or recovering from a move.